Welcome. We are your hosts for Bitches Be Brave. This is Heather Hobbs. And this is Bev Steele. And together we are everyday working women trying to raise a family, succeed at our careers, stay fit and healthy, and still look hot. It's our hope to address the issues that we deal with every day and to bring you the knowledge and information from the top experts so that together we can truly thrive and experience wellness in all dimensions of life. And because we care, please remember the thoughts, comments, and advice of this podcast and our guests do not substitute medical advice and you should consult your doctor before starting any new program. And we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at bitchesbebrave at bitchesbebrave.com or visit our website, bitchesbebrave.com or Instagram at bitchesbebrave. Welcome to episode 30, Heather. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. And I know, I feel like we keep saying that like every five episode increment, but I feel like 30 is, is a substantial number. And I think it's actually pretty applicable that episode 30 happens to be on the topic of relationships because this has been, I think, a true test not only of our dedication to one another, right? The commitment we had to make to each other, but also what, what we've had to do with our lives and to ourselves. And um, I'm proud of us. I'm proud of where we've come. Me too. I think on this episode, Bob got a lot of time. It's usually Scott we're talking about. So. <laughs> <laughs> I had all these things I could have brought up with oh. Tina, but... I'll hold that for later episodes. (laughs) That's funny. No, we, yeah, this episode is with Tina Brigley, who we talk about relationships, but I think it was, uh, it was interesting when we even talked about just, you know, how women do interpret things and we make up stories in our heads a lot of times about things that might not have been intended on the other end. And I think, you know, we brought up, we'll bring up in this episode, in this interview about how even you and I, we've had to have that, like, talk. We had to come to each other and be like, look, we can't do this whole like texting thing. If we're having any sort of issues, we have to like pick up the phone because the way we both read into them and communicate that, that has been a big learning through this whole thing of you and I. It has, it has. And I think I've mentioned before, like I've never, ever been upset with you. And I think that the whole texting thing definitely caused a problem and it will in any relationship. And I, but it's funny that you brought that up because during the podcast with Tina, there was different relationship things. And I kept thinking about you. <laughs> oh, I know. So yeah. Well, yeah. it is funny because I, I think that is like to everybody out there to have a best friend, like there's nothing like it because there's been so many times, even the past days where I've had these like major things in my life going on from work craziness to like personal craziness. And I just laugh because Bev is like the first one. You're always the first one to text me and ask me how I'm doing or to remember that I had a meeting. And I'm like, nobody else remembers. Nobody else has. <laughs> nobody else cares. But I will say we talked about this before the podcast is that we haven't been together for a while. And I feel, I mean, that's how important time with your best friend is, is that you've got to make that time. We, yes. we at least have the space we're on a Zoom meeting right now, but to get together, because I did, I do feel a difference just having that human connection with other on a weekly Same. basis. Same. And it's, 
it's true. It's like we we made that, and it kind of goes back to what we talk about today is being intentional and something we're proud of that we've done is we have been committed and we have stuck to doing our podcast and making that time and doing the work that goes into it and starting a book and we've been really intentional about that. Um, but part of the other intention and resolutions I know that I made myself was to have that quality time with friends and to also make time for fun and to make time for me and to, without guilt. And I think we've, you know, you, there's always give and take and there's months that are going to be just much more difficult due to craziness and kids are out of school and you've got a lot going on with the girls right now. Um, but we need to like remind ourselves that, Hey, you know, we miss that. And there's something that is missing when you don't have that live time with people that are important to you. Yeah. And I'm so much better today than I was seven months ago because it is top mind aware. And there are times I'm like, you know what? I'm not doing that right now because I'm going to go have some fun or I'm going to go do this with my kids or I'm going to do this for myself. So yeah. Thank you, Heather. Thank you. Track. So good. And while we are talking about Bev and I, I think this topic today just talks a lot about, you know, even marriage relationships and how, you know, that the, the main thing, the main core is to find tr happiness in yourself and to regain that confidence and that self-esteem and working on yourself. And that has been such a reoccurring topic with, you know, all of the people that we've interviewed episode after episode is making that time for you, putting yourself as a priority and everything else will improve in your life from your relationships to how you are as a mother, to how you are as a worker in your career. And it's so difficult to do. And because we feel so much guilt, but that was yet again, the number one uh, topic that she brought up today. Yeah. When you get to that place in your life where you feel like you don't have time for yourself, you think everybody else does. And you're the only one that has way too much on your plate that you can't get it together. You can't possibly go do this. And how are those people doing that? And how is she doing that? So just for me to know that we all have the same challenges and can support each other and we can make a difference. And also to hear uh, some of our guests just say, you know, thank you for what you're doing and bringing this to light because I, I think that we really have been surprised how common the theme is no matter what we're talking about. Yeah. And we're all in this together. We, we are all going through the same things. And I think in just some sort of similar fashion. And it's important that we do. We rally together, that we as women have each other's backs, that we help each other where we can. We push each other. We hold each other accountable and ask to be held accountable. And I hope that's what we're doing. We hope people are finding value. It's been so great getting feedback and comments from listeners. And it encourages us. And it's been so fun. And we're at episode 30, but I hope we have many, many more to go. Yep. Suddenly I have the high school musical song. We're all in this together. <laughs> I wish I could do a send out on that. <laughs> so yeah, you can, if you want yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll find it. Okay. So we're really looking forward to your feedback on episode 30. So here we go. Welcome. We're here with Tina Brigley. And Tina is first and foremost a loving wife and mother to her two daughters. She's a TEDx speaker, a workshop facilitator, and a certified health and life coach. 
She's passionate about transforming relationships and uses her own relationship stories and triumphs to connect with couples. Although Tina has multiple degrees and certifications and experiences as a child and youth worker, counselor, and educator, she realizes that her commitment to personal development and her willingness to explore all areas of her life allows her to connect with her clients at a deeper level. She practices what she preaches and has over 1,000 hours of personal development and training this year alone. She wholeheartedly believes that as a coach, she can only take her clients as far as she's willing to take herself, and she continues to do the inner work. Her mantra is, any relationship begins with a relationship with yourself. So Tina, welcome. We're so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here today. Yes, all the way from Canada. So uh, we are excited to bring in yet another country, international speaker. So thank yes. you. So <laughs> Yay, Canada. Yay, Canada. Um, Tina, I am so excited to have you on because I think relationship is such a huge topic when we're talking about women and working women and moms. And it's something we haven't really touched on specifically on our podcast yet. And so I'm excited to talk with you and Maybe you can just start us off and just tell us about your story and how you got to be doing the work that you're doing today. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. So, um, first of all, I want to share a little statistic because it leads into my story. Mm-hmm. I recently read that the divorce rate is 48%, sometimes higher in different countries around the world. And of those 48%, 80% of divorces are initiated by women. And I was almost one of those statistics. So um, four years ago, I was sitting at my pool, looking at you know my custom-built home, my beautifully landscaped yard. My kids are beautiful. They're running in the backyard. I'm thinking about the financial security that I had, my six-figure job, how I've been so blessed in my life. And I realized how miserable I was. And I felt really guilty about that. How can I have everything? People would die to have my life. And all I keep thinking about is how do I get out of this life? So I spent a year of my life really torn between it's fine, it's really good, and how do I get out? Mm -hmm. So my relationship with my husband was not great. We were in, I like to call, a complete breakdown. You know, like when he walks in the house, hey, how was your day? Fine, how was your day? Great, I'm going out, okay, see you later. Like that had become our life. And we didn't communicate. There was no intimacy, there was no passion, there was no connection. And the whole time, I was really afraid to express myself with him. I was afraid to tell him what I really wanted because I had this kind of story about who he was for me. He's not going to care anyways. He doesn't care about me. I felt unloved, unappreciated, unheard. I didn't feel valued. So finally, after a year of living this way, and I say a year, but it really had been 16 years since I started feeling this way about my relationship. But the, the, the last year, I call it like the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, I, I felt like I was going crazy. I felt like I didn't even know who I was anymore. Like I was a shell of a person that I once knew, yet the whole time I was putting on this fake smile and this fake like persona to the world 
and I had enough courage to just leave the relationship. And so I left and I moved into my mom's unfinished basement apartment. And I remember a couple weeks after I left, I was looking at the suitcases that had become my dresser drawers and the air mattress that became my bed. And I thought, what did I do? What did I do? And I was just like having this holy crap moment. And then, you know, my kids who were my life, I just adored them. We spent, my husband worked 12, 14 hours a day, seven days a week. So it was just me and my kids. And now we're arguing, my husband and I were arguing about who gets to see them on the weekends, who gets to see them during holidays, who takes them to gymnastics. And it's just like, so then what I, what I learned is that the, the best thing to do in this situation is to do what everybody else is doing. So I went to the doctor and I said, doctor, I can't cope with my life. Give me a pill. Give me something to fix this. You know, so then I found myself on antidepressants and anxiety medication and sleeping pills. And then I realized this doesn't work. I still am not feeling good about my decisions. So then I found my best friend and you might've heard of her before, Chardonnay, Merlot. Yeah. Familiar with her. Yeah. And yeah. Like her and I spent many lonely nights together. You know, like she was my best friend. She was there when I got home from work. She was there when I went to bed. So then I just, I, I realized that I was coping with alcohol. And after a year of dealing with my problems using alcohol, um, I kind of had this aha moment and it was really interesting because I was outside at my patio and I was taking a survey because that's another thing you do, right? When your life is a shit show, you get online and say like, what's wrong with my life? Do this survey. Am I this? Am I that? So here I am taking this survey. Am I an alcoholic? And up came a pop-up to become a health coach. And I thought, isn't that interesting? I don't even know what the heck a health coach is, but I do know that at one point in my life, I was pretty healthy, running half marathons, going to the gym, giving people advice. What happened to me? So I ended up signing up for the program. I became um, a certified health coach. I was in school. I started traveling. And then I realized I was spending my life being really busy. So I replaced alcohol with the being busy coping strategy. Mm-hmm. I didn't even have time to think about the life that I left behind. Mm-hmm. And so um, after a year, and it's really funny. It, it's like I left my husband August 22nd of 2015. August 27th, 2016, I quit drinking. Mm-hmm. August 20 or August 19th of 2017, I started investing in personal development. Now, personal development for me was woo woo. It was like, I'm fine. Like, I'm totally fine. I don't need this in my life. But I I signed up for a coach, a business coach. And she really helped me to see what could be possible in my life. And I was a teacher for 14 years. And I didn't like my teaching job either. (laughs) I didn't like teaching kids and I felt guilty about that. So um, she said to me, Tina, you're too big for your school board. Your purpose in life is much bigger and you're playing small. 
And I thought she was crazy. Like she was a very high end coach. And I thought, okay, she just wants me to pay all this money. And, but then I started thinking about what she was saying. And I started seeing like what my life would be like if I actually did have an amazing life, if I could leave my job, if I could be a coach full time. And six weeks later, I quit my teaching job. I was making almost $100,000 a year, pension, benefits. I'm a single mom. I'm like, you know what? Peace out. I got to live my life. Yeah. And I'm happy to say my husband and I are back together. We've been together for a year now. And I realized that my relationship with myself affected my relationship with my husband. Mm -hmm. I had no confidence. I had no self-esteem. Even though I looked great on the outside, on the inside, I literally felt like a phony, like a fake. Mm -hmm. And my only way out was to leave the relationship because I had no idea that what I was really looking for was something that was missing in my marriage. And that same thing was something that was missing inside of me. And I always thought that my marriage was broken and it needed to be fixed. And what I discovered is we're not broken. We don't need to be fixed. Something goes missing. And when we find that, we forever can transform any area of our life. And so this is why I shifted into relationship coaching. Because I'm passionate about keeping marriages whole and complete. Now, I know that was a really long story. I apologize. But oh, that was a great story. I was hanging on every word. <laughs> yeah, that, that's literally, I had this like, I, I get to share my story with people and the strategies that I've learned so that women that are feeling like I was, like there's no other way except to leave. I want to show them maybe there is another way. And maybe you can have everything you want if you just discover what's missing. So I'm Go. so curious, like how often then are you seeing with clients that you're working with that it comes back to being an issue with yourself, with your own self-esteem or your own confidence versus to know if it really truly is a problem with the relationship or the marriage. So how many times do you see that it could work or how many times do you see by doing the self work that it ends up impacting the relationship? So it's a really loaded question because it's multi-layered, right? There is no simple solution. And some marriages, if the partner isn't willing to do the work at the same time, sometimes it just doesn't work, you know, but I, I find in all of my clients, their relationship with themselves is a direct reflection of their relationship with their partner. Mm -hmm. So when they start taking ownership of who they are, when they start discovering, you know, like where in their life did they lose that confidence? Did they lose that self-expression? Did they lose that zest for life? And then they own that and they start showing up differently. This amazing thing happens. The partner starts showing up differently because now they're like, what the heck happened to you? Mm. You know, and sometimes that backfires too, because sometimes there's an intimidation factor. Like my wife was quiet and meek and mild and didn't say boo. And now all of a sudden she has an opinion about everything. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what happened with me and my relationship. It took my husband a while 
to really adopt this new version of me. Mm -hmm. um, and there are a lot of strategies that I teach to help couples really find what works for both of them. Uh, but at the end of the day, when I became self-expressed, I was able to ask for what I wanted and I wasn't fearful of asking for it. And luckily my husband did the work too. So he was able to shift who, how he was being in the relationship to give me what I needed and what I wanted. So he was a willing participant. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I, that was lucky. I think you hit on a really great point when you talk about sitting and looking around and at your beautiful home and your beautiful kids, because we hear so much about being grateful. You know, you got to be grateful. You got to be present. And so Women, I think, in general, are afraid to have that conversation with their husband or even to voice it because why, why can't I be grateful that I have all these great things? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really when the beginning happens, especially in young marriages, young families. And it's not until you, the kids start getting a little bit older when you're crazy and it's almost too late at that point or, or it blows up like it blew up with you where you're like, I just got to get out of here. So how do you help women with that to get from the point of you can be grateful, but. Well, first of all, I like to say you could be grateful and, mm -hmm. you know, because yes. sometimes we think it's one or the other, either I'm grateful and I don't actually get other things that I want, or I can have both. I can be grateful and I can want more. You know, because sometimes we put our happiness on the things that we have, right? We have a beautiful house. I should be happy. I have money in the bank. I should be happy. You know, it's like, but what makes you happy on the inside? And that's what's really important. And when you can actually be brave enough to say, you know what? This is my life. I get to have it all. I get to have the house and the car and the money in the bank and the career, and I get to be happy and fulfilled and satisfied. I get to say how my life goes. Yeah. And that's what I really encourage women to do is to not be afraid to have it all. Well, what I love about that is I think it can hit home for the women who don't feel like they have choices because a lot of women may not have money in the bank or feel that they have the financial ability to even make a move, right? They feel stuck in that situation. And so I think what's so liberating about this, and I'll be honest, I myself, I mean, I, um, I was seeing, I saw a therapist last year and I was, I was in that mode of just anger. I was angry about so many things. And she said to me, well, let's do some work. And I think if you, you focus on kind of yourself and meditation and, and being very, um, you know, really intentional about what you want, that things can change. And I remember my response was, I don't want things to change. Like, I don't even want to be happy in that again, because I feel like I'll be fooled. Like, again. So I'm like, I just want to work on me. And she said, fair enough. Let's just work on you and don't worry about anything else. And I did that. And sure enough, a few months later, I came back. I'm like, well, things aren't so bad at, at home. And so, and it was that it was focusing on me that did turn things around in my relationship. And without even thinking I was doing that, you know, because I, I, I actually was trying not to do that. And so I love that because I think for women who feel stuck, 
you might feel stuck, but there's still, you can do the work for you. And as you said earlier, Tina, that when you do that, people start responding to you and you can change the dynamic just by changing you. It's so true. And I mean, in the last year I've gone, especially in the last year, but two years actually, but more so in the last year, people who see me that have seen me a year ago, they say, I don't even recognize you anymore. You're not even the same person. Even my talking, like when I used to do speaking engagements, I have a terrible fear of public speaking. And what I realized is I'm not afraid of public speaking. I'm afraid of making a mistake and screwing up and people laughing at me. So I didn't realize that that was impacting my life and my relationship because I discovered that I have this story that I wasn't good enough. So in my marriage, nothing was good enough. And so I looked for that evidence. So every time my husband said something, I had this opinion that, see, I'm not good enough for him. But I didn't really know that it had nothing to do with my husband. So when I started showing up as I am good enough, it didn't matter what he said. I never looked for evidence that I wasn't good enough. So just that shift, having that awareness that I had this story that was not even real, something that I told myself when I was seventh in seventh grade that I wasn't pretty enough, I wasn't smart enough, people don't like me, I don't belong. So now when I show up at speaking events, when I see people I haven't seen in a while, I walk into a room with my head held high. And when people look at me, my initial thought isn't, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? Because that's how it was before. Now I walk in like free and clear from all of that. Like, what am I going to create today? What connections am I going to make? I'm not fearful of what people think about me anymore. I just show up. And when I show up, people have no choice but to respond to that. <laughs> like, what is different about you? They notice it. They feel it. I like that. How did, I'm, I'm curious, when you talk about the conversations with your husband when you didn't feel like you were good enough, how did that manifest in your communication? Was it more defensiveness? I know that's where I go to when really anybody says anything to me and it's in my mind, I know, but then I'm defensive. <laughs> yeah. So um, let me give you a story. This is a perfect example and I think you might be able to relate to this. So we have a a big property. So one day I decided I'm going to, I'm going to cut the grass. So I have a riding lawnmower. I'm on the grass. I'm wearing a little strapless romper because I want to get a suntan <laughs> and my hat. My husband comes home from work and he's like, boy, don't you look cute on the lawnmower? And he walked away. Well, in my mind, what I heard was like, really, y you are only focusing on what I look like. I'm taking time out of my day to cut the grass. You don't appreciate me. You don't appreciate anything that I do. Why do you always make comments? What, am I not good enough for you? And I was on the lawnmower for an hour and my stories in my head went on and on and on. By the time I walked into the house, I was ready to leave him again. <laughs> not because of what he said, but because of the stories that I created in my mind. So now I know I'm aware that I, I, I go to that place sometimes. Right. So then I said to him, okay, so my story is that you don't appreciate me and that you didn't appreciate that. I took the time to cut the grass. 
Now I know that's just my story, but this is really how I was feeling. And he looked at me and he said, honestly, Tina, I just thought you looked really cute on the lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs> that sums it up. Like, and I like literally was ready to walk out the door again, because when we have an argument, when people say things, it's never about what they're saying in the moment. It's about what they said for the last 10 years that you've been holding on to <laughs> that comes yeah. back. And all of those feelings and emotions are triggers. You know, they trigger you. And sometimes they come from a past experience. Yeah. They come from you know, something that they may have said before, something your parents may have said before, a feeling or emotion that you've experienced before, and then they get the brunt of that. So when you recognize, okay, what is actually happening? What did he say? And you ask yourself, why did this give me this bodily sensation and this, you know, I, I want to just say like, I, I want to punch him in the face. You know, one of those moments <laughs> where you're just like, oh, Yes. So, like what caused that? Chances are it's not the actual words that are being said. It's about what was said in the past and it's accumulation. And um, Bev, I really liked when you said like it's in my head because we create this whole world in our heads sometimes <laughs> about what things mean, right? And communication is 58% body language, but I think 38 or 37% intonation and 7% of the words that people say. Mm -hmm. So when people say something, we're looking at how is it coming across? You know, what's our, our interpretation of what they're saying? And we bring all of that into the conversation. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. That's why I should always avoid text messaging. Yes. <laughs> Kevin and I have an agreement on that ourselves. Yes. <laughs> for friends. We like, yeah. Exactly. Two women, we read into those text messages too much. So um, true. That, so is, true. that is such, that's got to be one of the hardest parts, I think, about like for your, even your situation, Tina, where you're, you're coming back, you've had this transformation, you're now coming back and you're rebuilding, almost starting from new, from square one on your relationship, but how not to have the past come back in those moments, right? In those moments when you're angry, you're frustrated. And um, I was just giving this example that, so my husband is having this major finally breakthrough with migraines. He's been suffering from migraines for years and it has been so frustrating. And we finally went nine weeks without one, but he got one and he has one right now. But it's like all of a sudden, even though we went nine weeks and that was great, I'm right back to the, cause I, there's, there's like me just, I have to pick up the brunt for three or four days and there's just the kids miss out and like it affects the whole family. And I was like, you know, right away you just get to that mode that kind of dark, angry place again, even though there had been nine weeks of good stuff. Um, and so how, when you're coming back and you're rebuilding, you know, what are the strategies that you have for women to say, let's not pull that past back into the present at this moment? Cause that's a tough one. Uh, that is a really tough one. Mm -hmm. And my solution is we can't change the past. We can't go back and rewrite it. 
However, we can move forward from it. So in the moment, recognize when you are bringing the past up and be willing to let it go. Let it go. And that's easy to say, right? Like, how do I let it go? No, I can't. But really, the reason why we can't let it go is because it's not really complete. You didn't say everything that you wanted to say when that other argument happened. You withheld something. You kept it inside. So moving forward, it's like when you have something about it that you don't like or that doesn't feel right or you want to say something, I encourage women to just get it out of your head and out there. And then, you know, you can be done with it. The reason why we bring it up is because we're not done with it. There's something else we wanted to say about it. But if there's nothing else to say about it and we've had a conversation and we've resolved it, there's nothing to bring up because then you have to look on the inside and be like, okay, why do I keep bringing this up? What is, what's the payoff of this? You know, and sometimes we get to be right. We get to be like, haha, you know, you did it again, you know, and we're on the same team. We're on the same team. So when we recognize we're on the same team and we say what's there, we get it out of the way. Chances are it doesn't come back again unless there's an ulterior motive. Like you want to really stick it to them. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's just, I think with, I'm just going to speak for women, um, especially, you know, our listeners. I think, you know, if you're working and you have kids and you've got all of these things going on, you know, the last thing you want to do is bring up something that's going to open up a can of worms, right? So sometimes we may keep things um, in that just, I'm going to let this one go kind of thing. And that's when it builds up. Uh, How would you recommend... um, you know, how do you open up that conversation without maybe ruining, you know, ruining a Friday night? Or is there specific times that should be set aside for this? Um, How do you, what would you recommend? So I always, if there's something that you need to talk about, you find a right time that works for both of you. And this goes with your kids too. Maybe something happens with your kids and we assume if it's a good time for us, it's a good time for them, but really it might not be. So, um, you know, something happened last week with my husband and I said, you know, I came home and you said this and I felt this way about it and it's really been bothering me and I've been creating this whole world about what you meant by that. I want to talk about it. When's a good time for you? He's like, well, not right now at six o'clock in the morning. I said, okay, so when is a good time? And he said, well, tonight when I get home from work, um, after dinner, let's talk about it. And so we did, we went and we sat by the pool and I said, you know, it felt like you were accusing me of something or you were being really angry and resentful. And, um, I've been feeling this way a lot, you know, in our relationship since we got back together, like there's just some resentment and I'm like, I don't know where this is coming from, but it seems to be festering. And then when you have a couple drinks, it comes out full blast. Like we need to get complete with this. And he said, you know, Tina, I do feel resentful. I'm like, okay, why? He said, you know, the whole time you came back, you never apologized for what you did. You never apologized for leaving. It's like, I felt blindsided because that's the other thing. Men in relationships think everything's fine. 
they don't get stuck in their head like we do. So 80% of the women that initiate the divorces, the men are like, what the heck happened? We were fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> women were like, no, we're not fine. But that's, you know, he, he was holding on so that I never apologized. And I didn't even realize this. So this was the source of his resentment. So then I said to him, I never realized. And I am sorry that I left that way. Mm -hmm. And I'm also not sorry mm -hmm. because that was my choice. And I'm not going to apologize for something that I felt was the only way of dealing with it. I know now it's not, but at the time, that's the only thing that I knew how to do. Mm -hmm. And I also, you know, I have to be careful. Sometimes I want to coach my husband, but I just say, you know, um, can I offer an insight? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, sure. And I said, you know, what, what do you get from being resentful? He's like, he paused, you know, because sometimes when we hang on to those feelings and emotions, we get something from it. And he said, I really get to make you wrong for doing what you did. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, what's that like for you? He's like, not good. Because then we get stuck in this trap of like, because he says, I want more intimacy and passion. And I say, well, I need to feel emotionally secure and not criticize. So he'll criticize. I don't feel emotionally, emotionally secure. And then I withhold intimacy. And then we keep going around and around in circles. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, in order for us to break this cycle that we're in, I hear that you need more passion and intimacy. And I need more emotional connection. And I need to feel like you got my back no matter what, it's like, okay, I hear you. And then boom, you yeah. know, we get to create something new together. And it's, um, I've read that and I don't know if it was in like the, the Mars versus Venus, but that there is that cycle that men want to feel respected, but that's the first thing women do is we attack, right? When we feel angry and women want to feel loved, but when men are feeling attacked, or, you know, that they're not being respected necessarily or manly, they pull back and don't give love. And so it becomes this like ongoing just cycle of each person not getting their needs met and you just keep drifting farther and farther away, which is so hard. Um, and I think that's what you're saying all along is it's just, you know, to work on yourself and be the person that kind of breaks that cycle and starts to move things forward because one person has to, and then they, they come around. Now you had also mentioned earlier that, you know, your husband got on board. It took a little while, like, who's this new wife I have? Um, and she's so strong and, and, and dependent now and spoken, but you know, how, how do you get maybe men who are stuck in the way that the relationship has been or the dynamic that you've had um, to start to come around and to start to kind of open up to this new way. So in my situation, um, at first I tried to force my husband to go to personal development seminars, to read books. That did not work. <laughs> People don't like to be told what to do. But as I was doing the work and I was showing up differently, he almost felt like whatever she has, I want a piece of that. You know, like he just saw me in such a new view that he thought whatever you're doing, I want to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. And so it took him a year 
to really hop on board with me. And at this time, like we weren't even together when he started investing in personal development. Uh, but because of how I was showing up, even when we were separated, we started building a relationship for our girls. And I was inviting him over for Christmas. Even when I had another relationship, we spent Christmas together. We, um, you know, we did things as a family. We were going out to dinner and we were just like friends, you know, because we knew that that's something that would give real joy in our, in, um, in our kids' lives. Before that, before I did personal development, I couldn't be on the phone with him. The sound of his voice made me cringe. I mean, everything that came out of his mouth was just so negative. Now that's my story. That's my view. Maybe not the truth, but how I perceived it was just like, I can't even talk to this man. Like he is just like unbelievable. So when I started doing the inner work and I showed up with more love and compassion towards him and understanding about what he was going through, he automatically thought, what is going on with you? Like, he honestly thought that I drank like the purple Kool-Aid or something that was like, you know, I was brainwashed. What happened to my, my ex-wife? Uh, and then just by watching me be this person that was so different, he just chose on his own. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I encourage women. When you really take a stand for your life and what you want and you show up as that best version of yourself, it ripples into your life your children start communicating differently with you. You show up differently for them. Your, you know, the relationships at work are different. You don't take everything on like you, I was really worried about what people thought all the time. And when I let go of that, it really did affect my relationships with my coworkers. Because mm. I just got to be like, hmm, oh well. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I think that about me. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, I, I went to a, a, a workshop a couple of weeks ago, and it was really amazing. She said, um, wake up every day in a good mood and say, wow, good thing I'm in a good mood. And I kind of feel like I became that person that was just always in a good mood. So when I would have interactions with my husband, and normally I would get triggered, I was no longer triggered. So then he started changing it up a little bit. Well, that doesn't work anymore. <laughs> so what else can I do? And it was like nothing he said or did. I'd just be like, wow, you know, I really see how you feel. Like I, I, I really hear you and take responsibility like yeah i you've touched on two things i i revamped my vision board this week and i shared it on instagram and i have two new quotes on there that you touched on one was this is not your practice life and the other one was wake up happy so you mm -hmm. touched on both those i love that um talking about your husband i like how you addressed meeting you know having the meeting because i know if i say to my husband we need to talk tonight a chill will go through his body. So the fact that you just kind of threw out, hey, this is what it's about. I think that's really important that you say, hey, I just want to talk about that comment. Not a big deal. We can talk after whenever's good for you. 
but it, that works with kids too. Cause if we say to our kids, let's have a family meeting, which we did recently, they freak out like they are in big trouble. Cause that's usually what a family meeting means. This time it was, let's talk about what we're doing on vacation. Um, so can you expand at all on, you know, when you have that conversation about when to meet, like, are, you know, how much should you get into it? Should you keep it pretty light? Um, I'm sure there's some things that are more serious than others, but because um, I could see that as the biggest for my husband drawback. Like he'd be like, oh, well, what's it about? You know, want to get into it, that kind of thing. You know what? I think that is a societal thing. I think it's something that we all deal with. We don't want to rock the boat. We're afraid of what the outcome's going to be. And we always look for what might go wrong in the conversation. We're never looking for like, what is really going to open up for us by having this conversation? Um, a perfect example, uh, a couple weeks ago, my husband found a journal of mine that I kept when we were separated. And I came home from this workshop and my husband had a look of death on his face. I mean, like, I didn't know what happened. I thought somebody died. Like, what's the matter? And he put my journal on the table and he said, you know, you might not want to leave your journal laying around the table next time. And so I opened it and it was about my health coaching information and stuff notes that I took during my program. And I said, okay, so what's the big deal? It's just my coaching journal. He said, look at the third page. So I was dating this guy after I split up with my husband and it was the top 10 reasons why I love being with Mark. And my husband read it. And so I thought, oh my gosh, how am I going to get out of this conversation? Like, what am I going to do? Where can I run and hide? So um, I said, okay, so what's there about it for you? He said, did you really feel that way? I said, yes. When we were together, I really felt that way. He said, did you ever do a top 10 reasons why you love me? And I said, no, because when I wrote that, I was trying to convince myself to stay in the relationship. I didn't want to be in that relationship. So I was trying to convince myself about why I should stay. And I said, what did you hear while you were reading that? Like what hit you the most? And he said, it was about how passionate and intimate you were with him. And I don't feel that we have that in our marriage. And I said, we don't. And he was like, oh, dagger, right? I said, right now I have an opportunity. I can be authentic and really state what's there. Or I can just lie and pretend that it's like the, you know, for me, it's like the elephant in the room. I can just hit it head on or I can hide it. So I said, you know what? This is the deal. When I was with him, when I walked into a room, I felt like the only person in that room. He worshiped the ground that I walked on every single inch of me he loved. I don't feel that from you. When you look at me, I feel like you look at my flaws and what's not good enough. And I find evidence for it. And so that makes me feel like there's something wrong with me. And he said to me, I had no idea you felt that way. And now I can see how you do feel criticized because I have said things in the past that would make me sound like I'm judging you. And he said, you know, Tina, as hard as it was to read that journal, I want to be that person for you. Mm-hmm. I want to give you what you need so I can get passionate intimacy in our relationship. I want that too. 
And guess what happened after that conversation? <laughs> Boom. Hello. That was way more passion and intimacy. You know? And I didn't want to have that conversation. It sucked. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was not easy. But it opened up our relationship. It yeah. gave us an opportunity to really look for what was missing and create that in our marriage. Something that I felt was really missing most of our marriage. So Tina, I want to go back and ask you, you talked about, you know, all the work that you've done for personal development and the way that you kind of worked on yourself to get you there. And so what would you say to women right now? What would be some of your first recommendations in terms of first steps of self-development um, to move yourself out of a, a bad place in a, in a relationship and to work on, you know, bettering yourself? I think the first thing is don't be afraid to invest in personal development, whether that's going to a seminar or a workshop or a mindfulness class or hiring a coach. And I'm not just saying that because I am a coach, but I really do believe in the value. And this is why we have areas of our life that are blind to us. We can't see them, but other people can help pull those things out. So Bev, when you were saying like you get triggered, I like to say that when we get triggered by things, it's so valuable because you'll start recognizing patterns. When you recognize the patterns, you'll discover that it's something in your blind spot, something that you don't know is there. So a coach will help you uncover those blind spots. They'll help you uncover things that you don't even know are there. Another thing that's really valuable is like we have these time and money and busy stories, right? Make time for yourself, make it a priority. And when I say make time for yourself, you literally do have a lot of time and we choose how we spend it, but we load up on all the reasons and excuses why we can't use have time for ourselves. Our kids need us more. Our husbands need us more. Everybody needs you and you need you. So you'll notice when you take that time for yourself, people just start around you. They just start to know that's mom's time. That's my wife's time. And when you come back, you're different. You're happier. You're energized. So guess what? You give more to the people around you instead of giving the deflated version of yourself. Mm -hmm. So I think that would be like my number one tip. Don't be afraid to invest and time is yours. You get to spend it how you want to and look at the ripple effect. Again, it goes back to like what could go wrong instead of what could go right. What could you really get from investing in yourself, taking time for yourself? Yeah, that seems to be a consistent message, no matter what the topic is with our speakers, is that taking time for yourself. It's the most difficult piece. Um, and I do think that it affects our relationships. It's just because we have so little time. We have a conversation with our husband. I remember one time a conversation with my husband where I'm like, you have no idea you know, I've been up since this, I've done this and this and this and this, like, I can't possibly, you have no appreciation for what I do. And he looked at me and said, when was the last time you appreciated anything that I did? And I was like, Ooh, you know, because <laughs> it's, 
we do so much as women and with our kids. And sometimes we do have to take a step back. And even though it takes different forms and appreciate, um, but also how do you carve out that, that time for yourself and what, what, and I'm sure that's part of the coaching. What part, um, what can, what can go and how would you take someone through that on making that time? So one of the biggest things that I teach people is to have a structure to fulfill on everything in your life, your family time, your personal time. I literally have a day planner that has 15 minute increments and I take it out on Sundays and I look at what is a priority? Like what do I have to do? And I write those things down. And then as a family, we sit down, especially now that, you know, it's the summer, my kids are home, but I say, what do you want to do with mom? What activities do you want to, do you want to do? Even during the day when I'm working, we schedule time to have breakfast, time to have lunch, outdoor time. I make the time in my schedule, but I also write it in my schedule because things always come up. You know, they, I call it resistance. When we want to do something for ourselves, things will come to knock us, you know, off track. But if it's written down, it's almost like a sacred appointment that you just don't give up. You know, so even if that's like a yoga class once a week, when you have somebody that calls you and says, you know, Heather, I really need you to accomplish this by 6 p.m. on Tuesday. You know what? That's not possible because I have yoga at 6 p.m. on Tuesday. So mm -hmm. I'm going to need some more time. You know, you get to call the shots. You get to say what happens. Totally. I was at a seminar one time, and this was the most amazing takeaway I have had from the seminar. They said, you know, we live life like because. I can't do this because. I can't make time for myself because I have these other commitments. And I say, take the B out and just be cause in your life. You know, like cause your life, yeah. do what you want. You structure everything else around you. Women don't give themselves permission to do that. That's so <laughs> true. And I think, I mean, Bev and I have talked about this many times because it was something for us even prior to this year that we just, we never had time. We would talk about things that we wanted, talk about the dreams that we had about building business, but we, we just didn't have time. And the funny thing is, is, um, so we determined, we decided to do it. We set off time in our calendars and said, this is going to be the time we are going to spend every single week. And it hasn't always been easy. And at times it's busy and you feel like, Oh my gosh, you know, like I'm so busy, but it, it's good busy. It's like a fulfilling, busy. And at the end of the day, you're like, Oh my gosh, it's, it feels so good. And then to see progress, you know? And so you start off and before you know it, I mean, it becomes habit, but you also have grown and you, it's easier to keep that momentum. So, and I think that's so true. And no matter if you're talking about exercise, if you're talking about, like you said, time with kids, time with your spouse or time to build a business or go back to school or learn or read or whatever it is, it's, um, so huge. And it's, it may be more chaotic for the time being, but it's rewarding chaos at the end of the day, I think. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, you, you touched on a really important part, right? Because time is ours. When we know exactly what we're doing, 
we are productive with that time. If we don't have a vision, if we don't have clarity, we get stuck being busy with things that aren't actually moving us forward in our life. And I know I have a friend and she's a stay at home mom, which is a very important job. I'm not saying it isn't. Her kids are all teenagers. They're like grown up and she is the busiest person I know. You know, she's busy cleaning her house and she's busy organizing and she's busy going to the gym and she talks about how busy she is. And she's also feeling this like loss of power because she's busy doing nothing. You know, she's like, I'm not really doing anything with my life yet. I'm so busy. I'm not moving forward. I'm not doing things that fill my bucket. So being mindful of like, what are we really busy doing? And can we take some of those things off our plate by asking for help? You know, one of the best things, oh my gosh, I'm so busy. I'm driving my kids everywhere. Is there somebody else you can ask to drive your kids to their games? Mm-hmm. Oh no, I can't do that. That'd be inconveniencing somebody else. If they're going anyways, you can ask, they can say no, or they can also feel like, wow, I feel so special. She asked me to help. Like I can contribute to her, <laughs> you know? So true. No, I think that is really true. And, and, we never want to say our kids would take a back seat to anything that we're doing, but we can maybe not go a hundred percent or full time at something, but we can do something to move it forward. It may be a slower pace than we'd want. Um, if we're working, you know, if it's our side passion and working a full time job, but you can do something. And the whole carpool example is great because if you can have somebody help you, you can then help them. And then you both have 50% of the work, right? Absolutely. And I always talk to my kids. I say, listen, I know that you have like, say a concert on Thursday night. I also have a seminar that I want to go to. How would you feel if I went to the seminar instead of your concert? Most of the time they say, mom, it's not a big deal. Really? There's a hundred people in the concert and I'm one little person saying, you know, it's who cares. Or I say, Hey, I know that you really want to do this and I have this going on. How can I make up that time? What can we do instead? And it's all in conversation as long as they know, and they're kind of like on board, you know, you share what you're doing and why you're doing it. They don't have room to create all the stories. Like mom doesn't love us. She doesn't spend time with us. She's so busy. Like my kids are like, mom, you're changing the world. You go girl. (laughs) You know, like that's how they respond to me. I'm like, listen, guys, I'm building a relationship coaching program. And because I'm doing this, I need you guys to be quiet. I need you to do it. Okay, mom. Cool. When are you going to be done? I'll be done at this time. Okay, great. Can we hang out then? Yeah, we can. Thank Mm -hmm. you. You know, and then they, they don't take it personally. And like last night, my daughter, she gave me a hug. She's like, mom, I miss you. And I said, and I was home all day. Right. She's like, we didn't have conversation today. And we promised to have conversation every day. And Uh I said, yep, you're right. I did not honor that agreement with you. I'm really sorry. I broke my promise to you. How can I make that up? Tomorrow, we're going to have conversation. Okay, yeah, absolutely. You know, so I'm also teaching them whatever is there for them. Say it. Don't keep it in your head. Mm -hmm. Get it out. Tell me how you feel. Yeah. So that's huge. 
Well, Tina, this is so good. And I think there's so many great nuggets here. And I know a lot of people are probably wondering, like, how can they find a health coach? How can they find a relationship coach? And if you could just share with listeners where they can find you and your information and the programs that you're creating. So I'm getting ready to launch a brand new program in the next two weeks. But you can find me on Facebook at Tina Brigley Coaching, or my website is tinabrigley.com. And I'm also on LinkedIn and Instagram, Tina Brigley Coaching. Awesome. I don't okay. know if you want. Yeah, What's I think that? that's, that's probably good. Yeah, There's a lot of new stuff coming out. Yeah, you are busy. You, definitely everyone go to her website. It's great. I didn't even get to the wine and chocolate are not your best friends. <laughs> my questions. I don't want the answer. So we'll save that one for next time. (laughs) So Tina, we always ask our guests, what does it mean to you to be brave? Being brave means doing what you feel in your heart, unconstrained. If you want something in your life, go for it. Nothing bad can happen. And I really do believe the universe has your back. If there is something that you're meant to be doing and you take the actions to do it, to just step outside of your comfort zone and be brave, you have no idea what will open up for you. That's awesome. Just do it. Yay. Love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Tina. Thanks for sharing your story, your personal stories. It's so inspirational and I really enjoyed talking with you today. So best of luck. And we definitely hope we'll talk with you again in the future. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you guys. And I also want to acknowledge you for doing this, for supporting so many women and helping them see like, we are all in this journey together. (laughs) You know, it's so amazing to just have this knowledge and expertise for women that are like doing it all, balancing it all. And giving people a platform to just like share. So thank yeah. you. I appreciate it. It is very comforting that we are more alike than different. Yeah. Sure. We all oh, are. Yeah. Yeah. So are. Yeah. Thanks thank so you, much. ladies. You're just amazing. Uh, thank you so much, Tina. Take care. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye.